All right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. And as Michigan football has returned from abroad, returned from its holiday in Rome, from its uh, study abroad, quote-unquote recruiting advantage, Craig and I come to you once again to talk about Michigan football, but kind of before we do, I always do a little bit of an intro. So, uh, Craig, I don't know if there's anything new with you, but uh, how have things been? Good. Doing very, very well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, ha- had a little bit of a uh, um, – uh, took a big step, took a big change today for me, actually. Yeah. So, do you have your phone on you? I do. All right. I am just sending you something. Okay. For you please, to please don't send me one of those. No, it's it's picks. not. It's nothing inappropriate, but it's, please, yeah, let's keep this. This is a PG show. Well, P, well, PG thirteen. Probably more appropriately, PG thirteen. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I sure you don't have one of those like face apps. Uh, no, that that is not face app. I have uh so Craig is the only one who has visual reference here. Um I have fully accepted, you know, being in my 30s now for just a brief while, but uh there is a history that runs in my family and it's unfortunate with the uh male side of my family that we tend to lose our hair and while I'm still kind of ahead of it, I kind of got to that stage where I felt like I was trying to cover it up. And I was just like, I, and I wanted to get ahead of it because I didn't want to be that guy that everybody noticeably knew was trying to cover up their receding hairline or their hair thinning out or anything like that. So yeah. I got ahead of it and I just, I just took it all off. You know, you look like a prison guy. I know. There's actually like a, seri- a convict, man. There's actually a serious one. Uh, that I didn't send you <laughs> that I showed my wife. Um, she was the one who cut my hair, but I showed my wife and it seriously looks like a mugshot slash serial <laughs> killer. So your kid's scared of you now. Well, actually the funniest thing was uh, we were talking about it. Um, cause I've been talking about it seriously for the past couple days, but then I brought it up for the past couple months every once in a while. But, uh, when we were talking about today, tonight at dinner, uh, I decided, yeah, let's go ahead and do it tonight. Do you think it's better if I do it after the kids go to bed, or should I do it with them out here so they don't get weirded out? Because we have a two-year-old and a, well, essentially two-year-old and a five-year-old. So we did it while they were awake. They thought it was kind of funny. They thought it was different. My daughter, who's the five-year-old, was kept saying how weird it was. But the the one who had the craziest reaction was actually my wife's dog. No, okay. The dog was literally two feet away from me on the floor on a pillow, like just chilling there while she was, uh, my wife was cutting my hair. I got up, went to go into the bathroom because we did it, um, outside of the bathroom and everything. And I went into the bathroom to check it out and look at it. And so I was up and walking all this time. And I don't know if the dog is that blind or oblivious, but finally when I was done and we were moving things around, she got up to walk around and she started growling at me. (laughs) <laughs> so she seriously like, thought i was a different person oh my word that's pretty funny dude 
Yeah, so that was kind of my entertaining story. Nothing very exciting, but it was uh, more of an interesting story than most times I have to share. Yeah, wow. Well, that's pretty amazing, dude. Yeah, pretty pretty drastic change. My my wife is still trying to get used to it because normally I did have relatively short hair, mm-hmm. but then when it started to slowly recede, slowly thin out at the very beginning in the front, I decided to grow it out because then it would conceal more. But it got it got to the limit for me. I was just like, I'm I'm done. Yeah, you're like forget trying to fight it. Yeah, just just accept it and, you know, be, be happy that between my brother and my dad and I, I believe I was the only one to make it past 30 with keeping the hair, so. Yeah, that, um, yeah, I guess I'm on the fortunate part. I got my mom's hair, and so it's thick, and just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close to being 50, so everybody should know that on Twitter and our fans that I'm old man, but but I still have my hair. But it's like salt and pepper, so Craig's old. I am <laughs> pretty much old. Well, but, uh, uh, yeah, salt and pepper. I got the salt and pepper thing going, but uh, you know, yeah, I was starting to get that. I was starting to get grays here everywhere, and I I was okay with the grays, but uh, I and that's the weird thing too is that some of my hair when. Uh, my wife cut it was so thick still, but it's just like the, the very front of the hairline and, and like back a few inches and everything at the very front just was so thin. Like it was there, right? but it was just so thin. So whenever there was a light directly above me, which the worst time for me to see it was actually getting ready in the bathroom because there's a light right above the mirror, it would just like hit my scalp so it looked like there was almost no hair there and i was just like i was done with it so if i if i was not in direct lighting you actually look good yeah i'd look okay but as soon as the light got above my head which being as tall as i am probably not as many people noticed but still yeah anyways you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to really get used to like sunblock on your head yeah you you gotta get used to that man well that was part of the reason too why i did it now before summer came because I wasn't going to do partway through summer and have like some messed up tan line on my head. Yeah, that's so, true. I was yeah. thinking ahead. Oh, that's good. So thinking ahead, moving ahead, moving along, we will go ahead and uh, get ready here and move into uh, the football talk because there's definitely plenty to talk about as always with Michigan football. So we'll move there next. Football, football, football. Yeah, get some. Yep, always. Unfortunately, now it's really the dead period for football because the draft has come and gone for professional football, and now we wait until the NFL preseason, isn't it? Yeah, there's just so much. It's funny because it's like dead period. There's no football, but there's just so much to talk about, man. I mean, oh, yeah. we are you got the NFL draft. Michigan makes history. You got eleven players drafted. It just was a great time. You go through this. You know, you got you know Jim in Italy, Rome. You got the players in Rome. You got all this stuff, right? 
And then all of a sudden you get Nick Saban gets the contract, right? So that spouts off our, our buddy Paul Feinbaum to come out and spout off against Jim Harbaugh. And it's just like, man, you give us so much material. There's times that you and I really are going, all right, what are we going to talk about? we got to talk about football, right? And it's just he is such a – he gives us like gifts. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Dude, you help us – you help our show so much. You help us when we're in a down period at times, and I just – I love it. I just sit there and I go, what did he say again? And I watch and I read it and I just go, good grief, dude. You're seriously – ridiculous or you're giving michigan props for the italy thing i I don't know he's either wishy-washy i don't know where do you want to start man i don't know he well since you uh kind of talked i wouldn't say in depth about it but since you talked a little bit more about that um we can start off with a little bit about fine bomb but it'll probably be brief because we've discussed some of these things before and i pulled up my previous information because i have it saved because i feel like this comes up all the time. Nobody really talks about it, but it comes up. And because he did put out that comparison about the two highest paid coaches in college football being Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, uh, one with a 20 long year career in college football and the other one with a six year uh, long career. And way to compare, though. Yeah, comparing the resumes, which he's just like, there's a vast resume. So I don't know exactly. He said there was like a big difference in resumes for the two top paid college football coaches, which I don't know if what all he said around it. I don't know if he was just putting out there, which, you know, it's a dig, but I don't know his discussion around it. Like maybe he was just putting out there kind of like, it's very interesting to see this. And he wasn't really verbally um, digging at Jim Harbaugh and everything, but just by that information, he was doing his dig. But that's the thing where it's just like, break it down then. Because we did the research and we already talked about it and we know the differences. And the comparison between Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban for six years in a college career is not that different. It's not that different, though. Right. If, if If you want to compare apples to apples, like the closest that you can. Because right. you cannot compare a 20-long career with a six-year-long career. You can't. That's right. ridiculous. Right. And if you really want to do comparisons, then Nick Saban should be embarrassed by his performance compared to Urban Meyer. And we discussed that, too. Because yeah. Urban's had half of his tenure uh, compared to Nick Saban, almost half, 11 years instead of 20. And he's over halfway on the national championship mark. Yeah, and he's got a high percentage of percentages of wins yeah so it's yeah and he's won everywhere he's gone so it's i find it stupid we don't need to talk about a whole lot but i guess since we're we're always kind of uh increasing our listeners and everything we'll go over a few of the numbers and then of course i'll hand it over to you to get your thoughts but the numbers that we've already gone over uh craig and i have discussed this there's an episode a while back that you could listen to the whole thing for but uh Nick Saban in six years, in his first six years, did not win a national championship. No, he's not doing that. Yeah, and it wasn't until his ninth season. So, I mean, if you really want to put things side by side, that would give Harbaugh 19 until 2019, I believe. Yeah, 2019. So, I mean, if you really want to compare it side by side, Jim Harbaugh, if he won a championship by 2019, would be right on par with Nick Saban. 
Now, here's the other thing, though, too, is Nick Sa- or uh, Jim Harbaugh has only been at Michigan two years. Nick Saban has not won a national championship at either of the colleges that he won championships at faster than three years. Right. So at Alabama, he won his third year. At LSU, he won his fourth year. So right. that's another thing that can blow you away with this comparison on it's just like how quickly do you anticipate Jim Harbaugh to be able to get this program to win a national championship if the person you're comparing them to hasn't even done the same thing <laughs> right. he had, Nick Saban didn't do in two years no. Nick Saban he, has, the, he has a share of a MAC title and he only has what seven or fewer wins in four seasons in it and during that tenure so yeah. that tells you right there that you can't compare the two that's a that's a joke you're you can't you can't do that, and that's what he's doing, and, and people are buying into this bull crap. Oh yeah, and this is by the way, sorry, this is six years as a Power Five coach. So both right. of them uh, coached in uh, other leagues, conferences. Uh, one might think, whatever. There's an official name for it. It's blanking on me now. But this is Power Five schools. Uh, so right. six years at Power Five schools, and in those six, their first six years, Nick Saban had a fifty nine percent. Uh, winning percent, and Jim Harbor had a sixty-four winning percentage. Yeah. So it just... and you're not and you're not even throwing in the NFL career. Yeah. It's like if if we're talking about we don't know what Jim Harbaugh's record would, I suppose it'd be very well if he just coached college, and he didn't. Well, Nick Saban obviously went to the NFL and he was terrible, and and Coach Harbaugh was great. And he's not adding that. He won't put Nick Saban in a bad light. He won't say anything like that. And you have to give that props to Harbaugh, and he won't do that. Yeah, well, this is a thing that that really uh, – that part really annoys me with uh, Pete, uh, Paul Feinbaum. Uh, that compare when they – and everybody else when they compare Jim Harbaugh. Ever, and this is the thing, too, that is really stupid and annoying with – pretty much everyone outside of the Michigan fan base is that everyone this this is how I am and how I think and I believe you're on the same page with me Craig everyone thinks that Michigan fans are saying that Jim Harbaugh is the greatest coach ever and he's the best coach in college football um, and all these other crazy accusations which is not Jim Harbaugh we love him as our coach. We think he's awesome, and he's always doing something interesting, so we're always talking about him. But currently, right now, he is absolutely not the best college in, um, coach in college football. I think you can agree with me on that, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. he's not the best. Is he one of the best? Yes. He has a, a great track record. He doesn't have the championship rings that other people do, but he's got a great track record. He is one of the better ones, and everybody wants to hire him. I mean, it that goes to prove it right there but that's the other thing too is with uh the national media and everything mm-hmm. with how they shed a uh try to shed a light on this and do these comparisons and everything it's just like we're not comparing jim harbaugh to nick saban you guys are <laughs> so we're coming back to you and be like okay if you're going to do the comparison we're not doing the comparison i'm not doing the comparison right. we are now after they have started this conversation, yep. we did not, Craig and I did not do this research on our own to start this debate and start this conversation. And we are not coming out to say Jim Harbaugh is the best coach in college football. 
that's not it. That debate is between Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. Right. I don't understand what the the reason why he's doing this from the beginning. You know, why why did he go after? Why is Harbaugh, you know, obviously obsessed with him? But why him? And I'm thinking about. It, I'm going. What coach did? Uh, Pretty much the good example is, did Saban take a dumpster fire team, college team, and make them great? Yeah, Michigan State wasn't the best, but they certainly were not Stanford. Stanford was a dumpster fire but program he, he until Harp got that. Yeah, he didn't even do that well with MSU, though. I mean, no, he, did, that, he did well, but he didn't do that well. Right, and Harbaugh actually took an absolute dumpster fire in Stanford and made them relevant and made them a top what five team in the country? Yep. So it's just it, the reason why he's comparing makes no sense. I don't understand it, and he just keeps comparing the two. All I'm saying is the two justify the salary. Do I believe Saban is worth that money? Of course he is. He's got five championships. Uh, he's got. He's one of the best. We know that he is the best. Is Harbaugh worth that money? Of course it is because we are Michigan. We make lots of money, and he deserves it too. And there's a couple other coaches that deserve it as well. And we're not saying that. We're, we believe that Saban does deserve more than Harbaugh. What I'm trying to say is you're saying Saban's worth more money. Of course it is. Nobody in Michigan's arguing that. It's only him that's doing it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And actually, oh, shoot, I thought, hold on, let me see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really the best one, but I was trying to find a, a bell. Oh well, whatever. Uh, but you were spot on because I was going to mention that too about the money because yeah. that's another thing that people are going off about is the money, and it's just like, and you said it exactly. Michigan is not paying Jim Harbaugh so much money because he is the best coach in college football. They are paying him that much money because they know what he's capable of. They know right. what he can do. What he will do. Yep. And he's from Michigan, and Michigan has that money to spend, so they're spending it. You know part of the reason why they're spending that money, or they have all that money to spend? Because they're not buying their players' cars. But <laughs> yeah. besides that fact, that's the thing. Michigan has the money. Everybody knows that, except for the media just seems to disregard that. Yeah. Michigan has the money. They're going to spend the money. They're not doing it to be flashy. They're not doing it to be cool. They're trying to do it to get to the, the football program back to the top. And yeah. they're getting it there. They're, money, they're putting investing money for the future. It's not for current results. This is a future investment. Do people not understand finances? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, is it ethically? <laughs> but is it ethically... Uh, uh, Right, as most of the people, uh, pundits out there will say, is ethically right. You know what? Everything he does, you guys think they're ethically wrong that Mich uh, Harbaugh is doing. I mean, he's he's taking kids on trips. Heck, he's thinking about going to what uh, South Africa the other, next year or something like that. And I'm like, wow, what a cool way. And you got player, you know, people saying he's cheating. And I'm like, come on, you know what? You guys just got to stop with the whole Michigan stuff. Just, you know, focus on your team and, and leave us to what we do best. Yeah, well, if people are saying that he's cheating, and I'm not saying this because I I, I cannot say that I know absolutely 100% it's not happening. I, I believe it's not. But still, if people are talking about him cheating, 
Mm-hmm. First of all, get through the Ole Miss situation, and once that's handled and taken care of and has they have been disciplined, then you can come to another program that has not had an accusation and an obvious breaking of the rules like Ole Miss. Once that's taken care of, then you can start talking about really actually researching what Jim Harbaugh is doing. But because I, I will tell you this, if that situation had happened with Michigan, Michigan would be crucified by now. Right. I mean, okay. I, I don't think anybody can deny that. No. So no. it's just stupid. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm not going to cut it off here, but I, I will step away from this conversation just because we're not going to make this the whole episode. No. But I will let you kind of like have your closing thoughts on this because I know that you had uh, um, a lot of input on it. So. Well, obviously him posting that highest paid coaches and then kind of saying very different resumes and having, I don't get how, why Saban's is, is even being compared to Jim Harbaugh with Paul Feinbaum. I don't understand it probably because um, I don't, I really don't know maybe you know, the money that we spend on them because we have the money. Do we, 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 uh, lo- it's almost like Paul's saying, you know, we're a loser program who has a loser coach. And I'm like, we don't, we have a really good coach and I think it worries them. Or like I said, in our last show that we talked about Paul and what he's doing is I think what he's doing is this just drives ratings, man. I think he knows that you, uh, Michigan, is absolutely dominant when it comes to Twitter. And they actually have uh, facts on that, that Michigan has the most fans on Twitter. And I think he gets uh, kind of a little jolt out of all these people and they listen to him and they listen to his show and, you know, they follow him, whether they like him or not. Um, but I think you know, even when he praised uh, um, Jim Harbaugh on the Rome going to Rome and how it was a great uh, tool and a great thing, he beat uh, Saban and all the other uh, coaches to the punch on getting those players to go and it's a great recruiting tool and great thing for Michigan to do to uh, to show you know what we're about what we want to do and he gave us a lot of praise and that was on Twitter and that was blew up everywhere of course but what I'm trying to say is I think Paul Feynman's not a stupid guy I just think that he knows that Jim Harbaugh always brings in the media and I think Saban doesn't I think he's kind of a you know, a blah kind of guy, blah coach. He doesn't really give you much to go on. And Jim Harbaugh does. <laughs> and Jim Harbaugh is a media a Twitter guy and it explodes anything he says out of his mouth. So when those two are jarring a little bit, it's for great show and drama and we love it. And I think Paul knows that. Yeah. Well, uh, before moving on, the last thing I will say about it is I remember seeing on Twitter that, there was something out there on the Feinbaum show and SEC fans were even getting on there when Feinbaum was talking about Jim Harbaugh and saying that they were stopped. They stopped listening to the show because they were sick and tired of more Jim Harbaugh coverage than SEC coverage. Oh, I, I, I believe that man. I really do. He makes me laugh though, because he does do that. He talks about Jim Harbaugh, then he does his own Bama team. Yeah. So, uh, so then end this part off with a question, and that is, Mr. Paul, if you're going to do the comparison, which the media started this thing, then compare the first six years, power five, between both the coaches. Right. Can you do that for us? 
and get back to us. We would appreciate that. But I'm expecting this will be our response. <laughs> yep. Nothing. Absolutely nothing, because that's what he's good at. Yeah. Good for nothing. But anyways, okay, so moving on from that conversation, uh, because that was like a last minute one. That was today, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was Oh today. yeah. Um, so we'll talk about it's still Michigan football, not so much the college aspect up from it, but the NFL draft was this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to release last week's episode right before it happened. And it was it was really good for Michigan. Yeah, it was, it was great class, and there were eleven total uh, Michigan Wolverines drafted in the seven rounds, right? Yeah, seven. Okay, because the NFL draft is not my forte, so I always forget how many uh, dra- uh, rounds there are. So eleven Oops. in seven, Oops. seven mm-hmm. seven eleven, easy to remember. Uh, which is a program record and close to the record, which wasn't at Ohio State last year with twelve. Yep. Yeah. See, now that was a little unfortunate. I was really hoping that we could tie or break it. I was just like, come on, somebody pick up somebody else there at the end. Just help Michigan out. It'd be cool, but no, they didn't. So, but yeah, Michigan history. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was so good for Michigan. And see, that's the thing. Like, it's because then there, there's all those people on the outside saying, ooh, wow, big whoop, big deal. And it's just like, it is a big deal. I mean, it's cool. We're not, and that's the thing too. Is just like it. Sometimes, some of the Michigan fans do make it to come across, and to be like arrogant and things like that. But no, it's just most of the fans and everything are just reacting. This is really cool. This is history in the program. So yeah, we're gonna make a big deal about it because it is a big deal. Right. Yes. So. Well, that's the thing. Is you know, I'm thinking. You know, you got 11 players. And then my question would be to you is, what it, what what impact did uh, Brady Hoke have on these players? I mean, they are mostly most well, all of them are Brady Hoke uh, recruits. And what impact did he have on them being going into the draft? All right, so real talk. Yeah, coming up here. <laughs> uh, we don't have a we don't have a sound for that. I'm looking. No, don't really have anything that works. But real talk here for that. And Brady Hoke did part of a great job. Like his recruiting, and I don't think anybody can deny he was great for He's recruiting. Very good. Yeah. And we're uh, I have not seen how he did with Oregon and what now is it Tennessee? I think isn't it. Or right. something. Um, I haven't seen exactly his impact uh, with those other programs that he's worked with, but he is beyond or without a doubt a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. But his development, or at least overseeing the development of players, was bad. So, yeah. other more than getting them to Michigan, I don't think you can give him a whole lot of credit. I mean, getting them to Michigan, recruiting them is a huge step all within itself. So, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay that. But as far as, like, player development and getting them ready for the NFL, I honestly would say I don't think he had really anything to do with that other than the defensive players that worked with uh, Greg Madison. 
Because right. he got yeah. Greg Madison to come, and Greg Madison had a hand in that. So, yes, that kind of goes back to Brady Hope, but wasn't really him directly uh, doing that influence in that building. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, obviously, player development is key into making Michigan where they're at. But you're right. I mean, you get to a point where we're talking about a team under Brady Hoke, who in a who in a sense, and I would say a lot of Michigan fans and most Michigan fans agree, gave up on their team. I mean, they gave up on their coach, and they didn't play like it. They actually, in a way, put Michigan um, that quote-unquote you know, snob uh, kind of um, this uh, – thinking something of themselves that they shouldn't, um, arrogant and things like that. And a lot of, you know, obviously state fans, OSU fans, you know, a lot of the rival fans or rival of us, of Michigan think that. And actually we were in a way, we were actually playing like we deserved to win without even actually playing and under Hoke. And I think under Jim Harbaugh watching these, all these players, I'll tell you what, right now, there's one player I'll tell you at this point that got drafted in the first round. There's no way in the world they would have been drafted in the first round if it was Brady Hoke, still our coach, and that's Taco Charlton. There's no way. This kid came in, decent player. Um, he was a decent um, defensive end, but, man, I'll tell you what, from one year to the next, every year he got better and better under Jim Harbaugh. He was stellar as the Weeks went by, months went by. He got better and better, and he just rose his stock up. And I just think that's under, uh, like you said, Madison. I think it was under Jim Harbaugh. I think it was under the coaching. And I just think um, we're glad Brady Hoke's moved on. But I think Taco Charlton greatly benefited with uh, Coach Harbaugh and the, and the coaching staff. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it <clears> – <throat> We would not have had these players without Brady Hoke, but we would not have had this many play- these this many players drafted in this draft without Jim Harbaugh, like no doubt, yeah, no doubt, oh, yeah. Uh, because of his development, and, uh, but then also the coaches that he brought in and uh, their development and everything. So, yeah, um, uh, I mean, just to kind of go over it a little bit real quick here too. I mean. People should probably already know this, but for the whole oversight and everything, there was this uh, great, uh, if you guys want to see on you're on Twitter, there's this great graphic uh, put up by Darren Bennett. Um, he's a great Michigan fan and everything, and he put this graphic together for the Michigan players uh, drafted this year. So if you want to check it out, I retweeted it. That's at Darren J19. But uh, 11 players... Uh, Peppers and Charlton in that order in the first round. No players in the second round. And then there were four in the third round in this order of uh, Wormley, Lewis, Hill, and Darbo. And then we go on to the fourth, and you have Gideon, Glasgow, Chesson, uh, one in the fifth with Jake Butt, and one in the sixth at uh, with Clark taken in the sixth round so no players in the second no players in the seventh so what right a and then, yeah and then obviously glasgow got picked up by um the Bengals. so yeah yep yep so. and uh there were 
several movements though there with uh, free agents. Yeah. After the drafts, uh, I don't have that information directly in front of me, but those were the ones that were actually drafted yep. in the actual seven rounds. So. Right. Yeah, Stribling and a couple of those guys. Yep. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't get drafted, but then they got picked up after. Yep. Yeah. So. Looking at uh, these players then and everything, and not really going back over their careers, but looking at this draft then, what? Let's start off with what. Uh, draft selection do you like the most? What pick do you think is a great fit? Like this player to this team, which one were you just like that is gonna that is gonna work out great for their career. They're gonna fit in well or they're gonna develop well this player, this team, which one? Um the one that stands out to me is uh, uh now I'm just kind of going over it and I'm looking at it is I think I'm going to keep going back to Taco Charlton, the Dallas. I think them getting a defensive end like him and on that team is great. They, you know, they're going to be really good defensively. They have a great offense already. And man, to grab uh, Taco Charlton in the second round, a defensive end wide, he's going to bring havoc on that team. You know, he, uh, there are times he plays man, a hundred percent all the time. There's times where he's, uh, a little bit, you know, doesn't have the, his feet under him. But man, he is so he's done so well with Michigan as they go, and I think Dallas is going to do good. And obviously, and then obviously grabbing Jordan Lewis as their corner. I mean, they had a great, great uh, um, draft, and I think that's the one that stands out to me. Yeah, I um, I am going to uh, stick with the defense, and I mean, you hear this talked about with this team all the time. But Seattle picking up Hill, I think yeah. that he could fit in well there. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Not sure exactly when or how quickly he'll get playing there, but that that's one that really stood out to me. Um, so that would be my pick for that category. But also kind of uh, wanting to say keep an eye on or an honorable mention, uh, interesting to watch what Chesson will do at Kansas City. Yeah. Um, just because of uh, the dynamics of the team there and uh, his talent and abilities. So uh, a little bit of a different perspective now, which one of these just totally shot you from either like it's bad, uh, you didn't think it was a good pick uh, for that team or something, or just you completely were blown away with? Um. The one that I was just shocked, obviously, was uh, Jabril Peppers going to Cleveland because I thought for sure he, if you could pick one team that Jabril Peppers fits perfectly, you know, and I mean like a square peg in a square hole, and that is uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is absolutely fits their scheme. They fit what he wants to do. Um like I said before, he has that mold of Palomalu, and he just has that. Uh, he's as tall as him. Um, heck, even Peppers might be more athletic, but we'll see. Obviously, Peppers is, was a f- fantastic player, so that's a lot of shoes to fill. But um, Peppers could be like him, and I just thought he'd go to the Steelers. But going to the Browns was such a, was I'm not going to say a reach, but it was one of those like I was kind of shocked. But you know, I think. Jabril's going to 
go there and and show some. <laughs> I think I'm shocked because it's Ohio, and you know, and he's not very liked in Ohio, and just given the whole uh, Ohio State just so prevalent there, and that uh, he got trolled quite a bit during his year, and talking about how underrated he was all year, and shouldn't be Heisman and all that and getting slammed and then they take him and and if he does I want him to do so well that they eat a lot of crow. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what I mean, everybody it, wants to have happen. Just, it literally just show shed some light. I want Cleveland to do really really well this year. I do. And this is the reason why. And I think some Mich- I know a lot of Michigan players won't buy the, his jersey and I'm like that's cool don't but I also go. I want. I'm. I'm pulling for him even more. If he went to the Steelers, I want him to do well. But even more now with the Browns because I want to see a lot of crow eating. And um, yeah, that was a shocker. I just thought Steelers were going to grab him, and everybody else thought so too. And Browns stepped up. So yeah, I hope that everybody on the Browns just sucks <laughs> and looks terrible. And he's. And- and Peppers is the only shining star on that team <laughs> yeah. so that they just have to eat their words. Now, now I will give credit. I, I will, I will gladly identify things uh, when I, uh, when they appear to be done properly and everything. Uh, there were some fans, OSU fans that said um, that I, I never seen this before. I mean, with all the things said about Jabril Peppers, all the negative things and everything, I did not see any neutral, anything positive from any OSU fans. But right. a couple things came out during the draft where some were just kind of like, he's undeniably got a lot of talent. Uh, so I rooted against him completely while I was at Michigan, but excited to see him on the Browns. You know, a, a few of those things like that. So there are a few of those people that are sensible out there. But uh, but another thing to point out, and I can't think of the uh, the OSU account, because, like I've already mentioned, I, I don't think I could name any account OSU account for you uh, off the top of my head. But there was one that's a reporter or something, something in the media with OSU. And they were, um, and, and I think he even said it, that he wasn't defending Peppers. But it's just like you, can not, you cannot deny that this is a good athlete and a good football player. And he was just going over all these things. And he's just like, and, and uh, OSU fans were just attacking him. Um, right. And yeah. it was, uh, what was it? How, how did it say? They're just like, why are, you, uh, why are you defending him? And he's just like, I'm not defending him. I, uh, they're just like, uh, how long are you going to be like sucking up to him or like talking him up and everything? And he's just like, I'm, ju- I'm going to keep talking about him until you guys understand that just because you didn't like his team or something like that doesn't mean that he's not a good athlete and can't be good in the NFL for your NFL team or something along those lines. Right. And you're talking about a guy who's probably Cleveland Browns fan. Was he? Uh, but well, yeah, the guy, the, everyone I was just talking about was an OSU fan and a Cleveland's fan. The, okay. the media well, then, guy, the media yeah. guy, I'm not sure if he was uh necessarily a fan, but I know he covers OSU and Cleveland cause he's Ohio media or something. Well, then again, I'm like, well, then what do you want? You want him to suck, you know, and just be terrible at Cleveland? Then fine. Then you guys wish that, and if he's really, really good, you're going to eat a lot of crow. And I'm like, man, you're just, 
the guy is talented. We'll see how it works out. You never know. He could be a guy who, who was great in college and just wasn't very good in the NFL. I don't know. You don't know. Trust me, the NFL, with all these talking heads and all these uh, gas bags that are talking their heads off on TV and on Twitter and on social media about who's going to be good and who does, isn't, nobody knows because nobody does know. And I'm, you know, and I sit there and I just laugh because I go, I don't even know who's going to, who had the best draft. I can sit there and say, wow, they had a really good draft. I could say Dallas had a great draft. They did. I thought um, 49ers had a pretty good draft. I thought Cleveland had a good draft. Um, but I'll also say it doesn't matter to me because we'll see in the end, we'll see in a couple of years if they did work out. I don't know. We just don't know how these players are going to do. We don't know if. Darbo is going to be a stud. We don't, you know, going to Seattle, which I thought was uh, not the ideal place for him because, you know, Russell Wilson isn't, a, you know, a guy who bombs the ball or he doesn't throw often. So I'm kind of like, oh, OK, we'll see how it goes. We don't know. And that's the thing about uh, this draft is we'll see what players. It's all about situation where you put them. Jabril Peppers going to Cleveland was not something I thought he would be the best at, but am I pulling for him? You betcha. But, you know, like you're talking about Chesson, I think Chesson's going to be great, but I think he'll be even better when they get their new quarterback in than Alex Smith because Alex Smith short arms it. He's a, you know, he's kind of a check down guy and Chesson's a spread the field guy. And that's not what Alex Smith does. So that's the thing where they're going to have to work him in like that. So, we, you and I just don't know, and it'll be interesting to see who does do well for Michigan. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, well, here, here's how much nobody knows this early on. Uh, Tanner, uh, I, I think you say Tanner Wooten? Yeah. Uh, on uh, Twitter, put put something out from 2012, and this is awesome because this is a, a smash at Cleveland and a smash at the SEC, specifically even Alabama then. Um, but this is what's so funny. Uh, round one, pick number three from Minnesota, Cleveland Browns take Trent Richardson. The Cleveland Browns traded up to select Trent Richardson with a third pick of the 2012 NFL draft. With Richardson, the Browns returned to their roots of smash mouth football. The glaring hole <laughs> left in the backfield is instantly filled with the best prospect in this year's draft. Uh, Heckert has been criticized of being duped into moving up for Richardson. That is irrelevant. The Browns had 13 picks and made the move that they needed to ensure they didn't lose out on their guy, grade A. Oh, my word. And anybody who knows um, the NFL knows how that panned out, and that was absolutely not the case. No, not even close. (laughs) So nobody knows anything right now at this point uh, no. for certain. And, like, that's the thing where you said uh, uh, with Peppers, I mean, we'll see how well things work out with him in the system and everything and how uh, everything does translate to the NFL. Now, what did you think? And I'm going to throw this out at you is what did you think about Jake Butt slipping down? Was I was going to bring that up, too, because that was going to kind of be my shocking thing. 
on the surprise on how far he fell on. He made what, like over $500,000 with his insurance policy? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yep. So while he's missing out on the bigger scope of the potential money in the NFL draft, it was nice to see that his insurance policy did uh, kind of pay off. But um, that was surprising too because actually this great breakdown that uh, Darren Bennett put out, um, it puts the stars of the uh, – players when they were high school recruits all of them up until the fourth round uh i mean it it was like in sequence peppers was five everybody's four until glasgow in the fourth round uh, which his information wasn't available but then chesson goes to three star in the fourth round and then butt pops back up as a four star which he would have been right up there with the rest of the four stars if he hadn't had that injury right so it's very it's yeah, very interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The progression from five star, four star, three star, almost perfectly down the draft. But uh, they got a steal. I think Denver's a good spot. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I know the quarterback situation is very uh, yep. abysmal. But well, I'll tell you what, that's, it's in, you know, you brought, you're bringing up a great point is. I, yeah, the quarterback situation in Denver is a little bit shady, like you're saying. But if no pun intended, but uh, you put a new quarterback or even a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of um, years on them, maybe a couple years, they like to throw to tight ends, and that's where I'm thinking maybe Jake Bud will actually do very, very well. You know, and that might benefit him when they have a quarterback that's their seat, that's not seasoned, that they're just kind of developing. And I think they have one there. So I think maybe Jake Butts going to the right uh, uh, pro team right now to flourish. Yeah. Well, if they get the right quarterback in there at the right time, it could work yeah. out perfectly for Jake, Butt. Oh yeah. Because he'll, he'll need a... Yeah. He, he spreads the field. He's great. He's got great hands. He, 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 yeah, it's a good, it's a good pick by them. I think he'll need a little bit of time, like a year or two or something like that. So we'll kind of see how that pans out. But, yeah, uh, tight ends are very – I feel like tight ends often get kind of overlooked because they are that dependable option. I mean, you look at – you know, having a dependable, knowledgeable tight end in the NFL, even if they're not your star receiver – is so great because uh, when they're dependable, it's just kind of like it's that extra option. And I feel like Jake Butt could definitely do that if he progresses well in the NFL. I mean, you look at the Gronkowskis and uh, who is it that just retired not that long ago? Uh, Gonzalez and yeah. uh, those other tight ends too, which for whatever reason Detroit cannot ever draft. Um <laughs> They they make a difference. Having that option, having that big target um, can make a, a big difference. So, yeah, I was definitely surprised that I slipped that far. Um, and I think that's uh, that was as definitely as far as the Michigan players go, that was the steal for Michigan players. Like the, oh, yeah. the Michigan player with the highest potential that got chosen at the latest point in the draft definitely goes to Jake Butt. Yeah, I think that was a steal for them to wait, and and he kept dropping. And I was like, "Wow, you guys are really afraid of." 
his injury, and that, I understand, but you're talking, you have to remember, there have been running backs that had the same injury that came back and did really, really well. And, and you're talking about Todd Gurley. He had the same kind of injury at, um, what did he play for, Georgia? Or, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's now playing, you know, running back for the Rams, but look at him. He's doing really, really well. I mean, offensive line stinks, but, you know, he's playing well. But we're talking about, kind of the same injury and we're talking about a tight end versus a running back. So I think it, a lot of you're t- this was a draft. If you think about it, if you, did you collectively think about this draft in terms of there's a lot of team, a lot of NFL teams that were kind of running scared. I thought a lot of them did. I thought like you pick, take the lions. They could have easily had Ruben, there to pick up Reuben Foster, who would have been stellar at a, you know linebacker position and be able to tackle him. They didn't take him. Why? Because he had a diluted sample similar to Peppers, and he had a little bit of off-field, off-field issues. Well, you know what? There's a lot of players that did, and they went much higher than him, and he didn't get – I think they were thinking that he got, has injuries, a little bit of injuries. I'm like, well, there are a lot of players that did too. I mean, so I don't know. It looked like a lot of teams are running scared, and Jake Butt was one of them. So. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I, I just have to say, I, and like I've already mentioned before, the draft is not really my thing. I mean, I've watched it. This is the first year that I've watched the entire first round, uh, like pretty much every minute of it, because uh, I, I was uh, intent on it this year. Other years I've watched, paid attention, followed on my phone, but I watched the whole the first round this this year, um, but it did seem like one of the more crazy drafts, or at least the oh, first yeah. rounds, in <laughs> quite some time. Oh yeah, definitely I mean, run on receivers in the first, you know, first ten picks, and then the the quarterback what? stop, yep. and then Chicago, and it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> right, Chicago, literally drafting quarterback when they just paid a second. <laughs> Uh, they're a quarterback from Tampa Bay, uh, what, 15 mil to come play as a backup, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But I just went, you're kidding me, really? Did but, you see the uh, compilation video or whatever it was where people had uh, videos of Chicago fans reacting to the pick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was funny. That was pretty good. Yeah, they're like, what? Didn't you just pay some guy to come here? Yeah, we did. So you got about, what, 40-something million in in quarterbacks that you're not really sure of? That's great. So, yeah, now now we just need to see uh, Green Bay yeah. implode and do something stupid so the Lions can actually have a chance to do something good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, obviously I think even um, you had uh, – I like Delano Hill, like you're talking about, uh, and I think Gideon going to Minnesota in our own um, division with the Lions is pretty interesting because you know I think Gideon's a great pickup for uh, the Vikings. So at that fourth round, was a good pick for that linebacker. So he's a, he he did really really well this year. So yeah. Well, uh, something here before finishing off, uh, I I keep going back and mentioning this that uh this graphic that Darren put out there but if you if you go on there and you look at it he's got it side by side about where they were as a recruit compared to where they went into the drafts um and it's lined up by 
by their pick in the draft. That's top to bottom. And it's just so crazy how almost lines up perfectly. And the one that really sticks out that's, I mean, Glasgow, which doesn't have any information from it. So, I mean, I don't think maybe he wasn't ranked at all or just no information was found. Uh, but he was going in the fourth round was uh, crazy, interesting, and really good for him. But the one that really kind of sticks out is uh, Jake Butt going so late. Um, and that, But that's mainly due to injury. So this almost aligns perfectly with where they were drafted in yeah. the draft compared to where they were ranked as a high school recruit. That's I just find that pretty crazy. Yeah. What do you think about Jordan Lewis? I mean, let me ask you this. Did you think this year hurt him? Because from this from two years ago to me he was a top 10 pick top 20 people are talking about as far as like corners he was he was the corner uh let me ask you that just it's you know he i feel goes in the third round but i'm like he was definitely i thought people had him in the first round yeah, I, I feel like he dropped a little bit. I'm not sure exactly why. I do think he yeah. would have gone higher maybe last year, maybe nothing drastic or as drastic as maybe you have in mind. Right. And my knowledge, like I said, with the draft is not that high. So as far as uh, the other cornerbacks are compared to him and his talent level, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if this was a talent-heavy uh, draft class. So I don't know. I mean, it, it is a little surprising. I was, uh, I was thinking that those, uh, Hill, Lewis and Wormley could have easily gone in the second round, uh, later in the second round. So it yeah. was uh surprising kind of to see him go later on like that. But you're right. I mean, not even in the second round did we Michigan have a pick, but man, what a run in the third round. How about that? It was just seemed like every other pick was a Michigan player. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, that well that was the thing too then. It's just like there were only two rounds that they missed out on and it's just like, man, you're telling me that like one team couldn't have picked up somebody in the seventh round with one of your last picks? Like, come on. Come on. Or you're talking teams like Dallas, who saw things in Michigan players, and Seattle, who saw the same thing in in getting a couple players from there from us, and saying these guys. And I think it maybe has to do with you know having um, uh, how Jim Harbaugh developed those players, and have, and maybe being over at Stanford when Pete Carroll was there at USC. And I'm yeah. wondering if, you know, and that had something to do with it. And Pete Carroll knows how, what a great coach Jim Harbaugh is and how he took a dumpster fire with Stanford and making him better. And I'm wondering if he just says, this guy knows how to coach. He knows what he's doing. He develops players very well. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was very interesting that those two who used to coach against each other in yeah. college and in the NFL, didn't they? If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how he drafted them and everything. So that was interesting. But I'll, uh, anything more to add here before we start uh, kind of ending things and closing things off? No, it's just really good to see some of the players who weren't drafted get drafted. Um, that was good to see. Um, but uh, just um, what a great 
great year we had. We, you know, obviously that shows you how many players we're going to be missing. But um, I think uh, it shows you what uh, Jim Harbaugh and the staff can do in developing players. And I just think we just had a great year in, in the NFL draft. I think there were some shockers and some weirdly funny things. But I, I'm rooting for every one of these players to do really, really well for their given team. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was a great draft, historic for the Michigan football program. Congratulations to each and every one of them, all 11 that were drafted in the uh, seven rounds, but also the ones that were picked up as free agents. Best of luck to them all. We hope that they have great careers. Uh, but we will go ahead and move on here into some closing thoughts. So I almost um, kind of forgot to mention something. Craig and I every once in a while have uh, issues with connection, and I think actually you may have heard it in the last uh, episode where you broke in and out a lot, Craig. But I can tell you that if we do ha continue to have any more problems, that is not my fault because I now have a hard line into my basement. So I am hardlined in, and I know that connection issues are not my fault. But with that being said... We did not have any issues tonight, so it very well was maybe my fault in the past. Ah, uh, see. Well, I'll blame you. You know, maybe it was your shaved head. Yeah, my hair was getting in the way of reception. <laughs> Might nice. be. Nice. Uh, I, I, I actually think it's this piece of junk computer. Um, I think maybe the wi uh, the Wi-Fi connection on it just isn't very good. But anyways, uh, with that whole thing. So... As closing things out, do always want to say that if uh, you guys want to share any thoughts or have any questions or have us discuss anything specific, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We talk to people a lot, a lot on there and everything, but uh, nobody brings up anything specific that they really want to hear us talk about on the show. But if you want to, feel free to give suggestions. Or two other ways that you can contact us are by email, bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. Or the voicemail, uh, you can get your voice directly here on the show. That's 551-258-3276. Or easy to remember, 551-BLUE-BRO. So right before we end everything off here, Craig, you will have to remind me next week. There is one thing that we forgot to discuss that I thought about bringing up uh, early on, but then it totally slipped my mind to bring it back up again. But that is about um, draft picks not correlating to wins. Okay. So we're not getting into it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yes. I know okay. what you're talking about. All right. We're not going to talk about now, but don't let me forget that we do, because uh, there's definitely plenty of, to be said about that. So as long as nothing crazy, crazy happens between this week and next week's episode, that should be brought up, and we should have plenty of time to discuss that. So don't let me forget. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It should be fun. Yeah, definitely for sure. We enjoy it each and every week. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, great draft this year. We'll finish yep. things off with Go Blue. Go Blue.